You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome to Sovereign Self. I am your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your fabulously divine and absolutely wondrous co-hosts, as (laughs) always, are Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. On today's program... We're actually going to continue in a slightly different vein with the keys to mastery, one of them being grace. And grace is indeed a state of being, so you are in a state of grace, and we'll talk about what that means, as well as talking about patience and wisdom and intuition. Now, most of our conversation will probably revolve around grace because we had a lively chat about it (laughs) well over an hour um, earlier. So that, that seems to be a, a point of interesting thought. So without further ado, I'll throw it out and I'll just sort of give a definition of grace in my mind. And then we can start talking about its implications. So as I said, grace is a state of being. And that state of being does bring in understanding, awareness, thoughtfulness, confidence. And almost as though you're in a state of being untouchable. And it also brings in the fact that we have to recognize that we're all one. Being in a state of grace also means there's no fear and you can't be emotionally manipulated. It's it's an interesting topic because everyone always talks about someone being in a state of grace. And they usually mean about how they walk and behave and they always look so, I don't know what you mean, effortless, flowing, that type of thing. But where the state of grace comes that type of look and behavior because you can tell when someone's in a state of grace but it goes far beyond the appearances so with that i'll throw it out does anyone want to start on grace and particularly grace i guess and in our current turmoil in the world what it means and what it can bring well for me the whole concept of grace stems from the point of view of creator looking on humanity there's almost like a a grace time or a grace period where we are allowed our indiscretions because we simply do not know any way other than what we're doing so we're allowed our indiscretions given the fact that we believe and are firmly ensconced in ignorance to come to the final realization that you know what we have been doing in the past does not serve the whole and we will then need to change so for me there's a if grace is tied in in some ways to the illusion of ignorance of of not knowing or not being capable of taking responsibility for your actions so you're talking about a grace period sort of thing sort of yes mm. yes which is a different take than i was going with a state of grace it's almost saying that there's a state of grace, but there's also a granting of grace. In a well, in a, here's another example. I've often heard 
that, you know, people make the statement, I, I shall do no harm. And yet they have to consume and kill life forms in order to to sustain themselves. Right. So we would technically then be considered in a state of grace until we can become breatharians, for instance, and we can stop the need to kill other life forms in order to continue our existence. So technically, humanity in that sense could be considered in a state of grace or in a state of allowance mm -hmm. until we can evolve to the point where we shall no longer need grace. In one sense, this is, uh, has spiritual implications in that as you continue to grow in, within the keys of mastery, and responsibility is one of those key elements, the more you can take responsibility for your actions and you are in control of yourself, the less you will need that state of grace in order to continue to exist, like nothing will take you out. The more you take control of yourself and the more respons responsible you are to yourself, the less you actually need that element of grace or allowance in your life. Right. In Western Christian theology, grace has been defined not as a created substance of any kind, but as, quote, the love and mercy given to us by God because God desires us to have it, not because of anything we have done to earn it. The concession or okay. benevolence shown by God toward the human race. So, in a sense, what I've just said falls into that. Yeah. It's not being extended to us because we've done anything wrong by eating meat and killing because right. we need to survive. It's almost like that giving of kindness with non-judgment, right? If you, if you, yes. I often hear the term of, you know, people want to live with grace, and living yes. with grace would be in being kindness to, or in showing kindness to one another, yourself included, yep. but with no expectation of anything else, which goes back to that whole concept of non-judgment, exactly. live, you know, live and let live type thing. Live and let live, that everybody is doing the best they can in any given moment given the basis of which they operate on. Right. Yeah, I actually think that when we talk about the being of grace, yeah. then I, I think what I'm hearing, Ron, is that as we move through all of the, the various keys of mastery and master them more effectively, the being of grace becomes very natural. It's not that you don't need grace. It exists. It is the very state of being. Yes, exactly. So I think that... In today's society, one of the ways in which we can start to achieve the being of grace is by leading by example, by yes. coming from our heart center, by incorporating all of the other keys of mastery to our best ability, whether that being non-judgmental, uh, utilizing wisdom or intuitions, patience, kindness, coming from our heart center. Those are all facets of the keys of mastery that will help us to evolve to that utopia being of grace. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. In many ways, I always, I always look on grace now that we've explained it that way as being a true master and you've, if I put it that way, mastered the keys of mastery, <laughs> so that when you have mastered them very well, then you are, by definition, and you cannot help but be in a state of grace. Exactly. So it could be said that creator is 
the state of grace. That's and true. as we become more like creator, mm-hmm. then we also become the state of grace. And yes. in so doing, we allow others who are not there yet to develop and move towards that state of grace yes. themselves. Absolutely. Yes. And understanding that we are all one, when we bring in the concept of the oneness, we can very readily see that that state of being of grace is affected by everyone else around us as well because we are all one and one with creator Mm -hmm. and it's interesting just to go to the state of grace is that when you're in a state of grace and you're essentially untouchable at that point because you are one with all that is the one thing you can always state and look at if you think if you're in a state of grace if you have any fear you're not in a state of grace. Exactly. So when anything brings up fear, it you have to examine it and look at it because you're not in a state of grace if it brings you that trepidation and <gasps> moment. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And a lot yeah. of that is, and I think you mentioned it earlier, is emotional manipulation. Yes. Most of our media and everything we're going through at the moment with ISIS is, in many ways, emotional manipulation and giving in to fear. Oh, yes, yes. Exactly. Those who are wanting to instigate the Third World War are using ISIL as the puppet to push humanity into fear. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's it's almost clearly they're trying to instigate the world uh, world war between Muslims and Christians. Mm. And if we think about it from a realistic perspective, what I believe we want to achieve is that state of grace within oneness. So when we think of things like, you know, ISIS or ISIL, from my perspective, I think, what is it I can do to assist those involved in creating that emotional manipulation to move through it and out of it? And I think at a very basic level, I'll get to some of the other pieces, but more basic level on this is that becoming your sovereign self, moving into a state of grace, will energetically spread to everyone you know and influence everyone you know and spread around the world. And the more people that are in that state of grace or being their sovereign self, the more other people will gravitate towards it because the energy is by far, we know in our heart center, the most attractive and we know through our intuition the way to be. That will in itself help people get there. But the problem is, and I think you brought it up in our earlier conversation, Ron, is we're being attacked now. Correct. And we're being attacked by these people and they're, they're setting up things, kill people. That's right. All over the place. So what do you do with that? That's, that's, the, that's the crux point. Yeah. We no longer have the time to allow grace to take effect with those who are so much in need of it that they are so terrified of the initial meeting with, with Creator that they look at any kind of love, they look at any of the ideals of the the sovereign self and resist it completely Mm -hmm. to the point where they're now threatening to take the rest of the world down with it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so now where does grace take effect here? Right. I always look at it, and, and I think you mentioned it, Karen, is that nobody that I'm aware of is in a complete state of grace. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that nobody is. I, I don't know everybody, but most people by far are not in a state of grace, me included. I think one of the things there is that like, and I always hearken back to World War II, 
Hitler wanted to take over Europe and then continue. And he began attacking his neighboring countries and subjugating them and moving his troops in and doing all of that. Now, the rest of the world had to stand up and stop him because it was an action he was taking. It was destroying millions of people's lives. And he just had to be stopped because he had started something that we all knew was not the route to go to. And so we had to stand up and stop him. And I don't think that that is a bad thing. It is a necessary thing at the time. So I kind of look at ISIS and ISIL in the same way. Mm -hmm. But I think the problem is that when you begin bombing individual pockets of where some ISIL rebels may be or this or that, it's not getting to the heart of the problem. Although it makes us feel good in many ways. A lot of people feel good because someone else has died that they consider part of ISIS. Maybe in revenge, maybe in just hate or anger or wherever they're coming from. But it doesn't solve the problem. Right. I think it comes down to what action is it that we do take for the greater good of all. Right. Uh The only way to stop something like that is to, you always have to go back to where where is it coming from. And you can do it in many ways. So, for instance, they're getting millions of dollars somehow to fund. Correct. All the people movement, the weapons, everything else. So, number one, and it's been said by international groups, and it's certainly been said, I think it was said at the G8 or whatever it was, that we have to work together to find out where their money's coming from, who's sourcing them, and stop it. Stop the flow. Stop the flow. Mm-hmm. It may not stop their anger, and they may still have some weapons. So the alternative, actually, after doing that and stopping it from growing, and there may be more roots to it than that. I'm not giving a total solution here. But we have to begin looking at the problem with some wisdom and intuition and saying, okay, how do you stop it at the source? That's right. Obviously, they're getting money from somewhere. Someone's feeding them. Someone's recruiting them. Someone's doing all of that. So how do you get to the base where who's behind that? Who's feeding it money? Where are the main centers of where they're recruiting? And go in and stop them. Then you individually have to deal with the people who are left out alone and still have the same mindset and have a gun. So it's a multi-layered step. Two-step. Two-step or three-step. Two-step, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing of it is, is yes... We're looking at trying to identify who the puppet masters are in this right. situation. The puppets themselves being ISIL and those that are the terrorists. Right. But ISIL and the, the puppets themselves, their thought patterns and thinking patterns are so far beyond the understanding of we are one yeah. <laughs> that they themselves also have to be addressed. At the same time as looking at who the puppet masters are, and who the oil companies perhaps are that are buying oil from ISIL as they continue to take claim over oil fields. Yes, that was just put out in the news this week. In order to continue funding them. The public can then look at this and say, okay, well, if it's this certain oil company, and I will let people do their own research on that, but if it's this certain company, then perhaps we, we stop supporting them. We don't buy their product. And I think that's key. Being, uh, in my opinion, being innovative enough as a society to find those puppet masters or, or whatever we want to refer to them at and actually, you know, being inspired to find newer and better solutions to get at the problem and not addressing it in action of an eye for an eye. So not, you know, publicly attacking people who we may or may not believe to be involved in, in some sort of terrorist action, 
but actually getting to the crux of where is it coming from. To your point, Martin and Ron, what is the funding? How do we stop that? What can what positive action can we do to change everything for the greater good whilst not attacking from a from a point of fear or revenge or I'll get back at you or you deserve it or any of those kinds of negative emotions. Correct. Yes. Yes. Because in reality, bombings and things are just playing into those emotions and it makes you feel good, but it doesn't stop it. And it will just exactly. continue until you get to the root. And it's interesting that one of the things, and I'll give credit to you again, Ron, in the earlier part of our conversation before the program, was that when an army is attacking your country, yes, you, you defend yourself and you fight back. But until you get rid of the supply of materials to have them keep building weapons and the center of who's pushing their people out to fight you, right. you don't solve anything because it will no. just keep going and going and going. There will always be another front line yes. to come forward to continue the, the attack process. Yes, I think of the old adage, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And that's yeah. a prime example, it's right? Crazy. It is. Yeah, that's a little crazy, yeah. That's true, too. It's interesting that um, so many people are so lulled into the sense of the bombings and, and killing someone and says they're a ISIS. Makes them feel good. And yet I hope that you understand if you begin pushing our governments and people in authority to find out where the money's coming from, who's the source behind this, where are the training camps, start digging in underneath so the foundation of the house collapses by taking it out. And start demanding the media to begin reporting those incidences rather than simply reporting what the puppets themselves are doing and continue to increase the fear and that the only way to retaliate is to go to war. Because that, at the point, at this point, is mainly what the main media stations are reporting. Yes, they are not reporting any incidences with regards to oh, well, the money might be coming from this location, or we see this company in support of ISIS, so we should do something here. They aren't touching that just yet. So we're still looking at alternative media sources to continue to bring forward any kind of information with regards to how deep the rabbit hole is actually going. Exactly. Yes. Right now, we're not doing a really good job at finding the root of this right. this cause, right? Where it's coming yes. from. Right. Now, I, I, I get the very strong impression, however, that we are gaining immeasurably because I'm not seeing people fall into that same fear pattern mm. that they used to 10 to 15 years ago when the same kind of tactic was being applied to the masses. Right. The, We're getting experience, yeah. Yes. I'm finding more and more people... Not wanting to go down that route yeah. of let's go and kill them, let's go and take them out, let's bomb them to hell. They're more in, in line with not wanting to react. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and here's the thing about that. I believe firmly, and you see, this is one of the problems with a democracy. And I'm all for democracy, but people have to, in a democracy, become more aware for a democracy to work properly. And we're not aware. So when a government reacts and says, we're going to go in and bomb them, they're mainly doing that because they understand that that's what the people's emotional and instant reaction is, coming from a place of non-love and unawareness. Yeah. So they are doing it because if they didn't, everyone would scream, you're doing nothing, and you'd be voted out. But in reality, people, we have to face the fact that Going in and knocking the feet out from under them, as I say, taking the foundation out and watching the house collapse by finding the source of money and training, is the way to go. 
our current knee-jerk reaction by a lot of people saying bomb, bomb, bomb. They do it because politically they have to do it to survive. But it would be much better if we were more aware and began telling them, yes, if they're there and we can see them with weapons, yes, we have to defend ourselves. But please get in there, knock out their source of money, find out where it is, use every resource in our you know, worldwide G8 big country of powers to stop all of that type of thing from going on in the background. It's and, really about and keeping if, your eye on the ball, right? Yeah, and if you, if you supported that, then the governments would actually finally be able to do something to stop them. And that's what we have to begin to support and not just, oh, they didn't go out and attack and bomb immediately, so I'm not going to support them because I'm angry. You've, you're cutting your legs out of yourself and underneath yourself. You're not looking at the being aware and looking at what's causing the problem. Exactly. Yeah. And in, in one sense, the third leg of attack on this, on this whole situation is trying to get to the root of the problem, which is the error in thinking. Right. Before it festers to the point where it creates the cancer that continues to try to kill and annihilate the rest of hum the human race. Exactly. If we, if we had originally seen where the error in thinking was when we first encountered it, and we had done something at that time, rather than use the principle of free will most inappropriately mm. by thinking they have free will, they have the you know free speech, they can, they can say whatever it is that they want not realizing that even in their thinking, you can harm someone. Right. And that's the one thing I keep always mentioning, and I mentioned in the last program, is everyone says, and I always say this, they feel they have all these rights, but they don't seem to take any responsibility. And freedom of speech is a prime one. Yes. Because you get people, at, and, and I don't mean just ISIS, but even in North America, for example, you get certain people who stand up and spout hate and say that, you know, something like gays are all the problem and they should all be rounded up or killed and they're causing all the problem. They do have freedom of speech and they can say that. But the problem is that the rest of us don't stand up and have use our freedom of speech and say, no, that's unacceptable. I won't go there and neither, you know, exactly. we want peace should anyone else. We don't stand up in mass because really the people who believe that type of thing are like one percent of the population exactly if the 99 stood up and said no that's not acceptable anymore and that's not the way i want to live because it'll lead to this right we could shut them right down but we exactly. don't but we don't and so that, we're, that allows it to fester yeah we're to not the point where now we have a major problem something is out there trying to kill you know kill us mm-hmm there's a part of ourselves that's trying to annihilate and take the rest of us down. Right. Now, is the reaction to this has to, in my, in my view, how you react to that has to equally match the degree of the threat. So that if the threat is excessive, your reaction to stop it must also match. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, sorry, you were going to say something earlier, Karen, and I sort of cut you off in the middle. I forget what it was. No, that's <laughs> I, I think in listening to the discussion, though, I, I think from, from my perspective, we're, we're definitely talking about some topics that are affecting us worldwide and on a, on a major level. Right. And I think that, yes, those need to be addressed. And how do, we, how do we start it? We start it from understanding that we are all one and that everything that is occurring is occurring to all of us. 
and taking the appropriate action. And Martin, you talked about in last week's show with respect to responsibility and accountability. And I think that one of the things that we often talk about is how all of the keys to mastery are so intertwined. You can't have one without the other. There's not a stop and an end, but it's all very intertwined. I think of it as pieces to a puzzle. And you can be at different levels or different areas of each of those keys to mastery along your path and also understanding that everyone else is at the same point. Yeah, in, in one sense, in one sense, all of these these keys to mastery, the attitudes, the responsibilities, the the virtues, all of these things, they are all aspects of one thing, and I call that thing love. Yes, and that's where exactly. the whole this is all about. Exactly. So, all of these ma- these keys to mastery are all aspects of love mm-hmm. that we're, we're we're talking about, and love, as one master has put it, is the glue that holds the entire universe together. So for myself, one of the things that I often do is when I'm going to take action or when something occurs in my life, the first question I try to think of, I don't always get it right for sure, for sure, but what would love do in this moment? So if we're trying to attack a worldwide terrorism threat, what what would love do? Not let me get back at them, they bombed us, so we'll bomb them, but what would love do in this situation? And you still have to take action. You can't just sit in a non, non-active non mode. It's just making sure that that action is not a reaction. Right. But and, well thought out. And action comes in many forms. When you're coming from your center of love, and as you said, you were, uh, Karen, and I think it was last week or the week before, you were in circles where they were putting out um, intent of world peace. Right. People may laugh at that, and I'm hoping that people who are listening to this program understand that a bit more. That is one avenue that can help things. Absolutely. Moving into your mastery and more to a state of grace will help. Uh, Taking action that is the most effective to stop the threat from growing is something that needs to be done as well. All of them need to be done. And everyone always looks, tends to look at things as black and white. Oh, we have to do this. Or we have to do that. Or that there's going to be one simple answer that will cure right. the whole thing. And there is none. What, no. There's not one simple answer. It's a multi-pronged approach on all levels. From a conscious level to a desire level to a action level. to All of them are there. Even and, to an unconscious level where yes. you have to look at what you're holding in your unconscious being. Right. If you are seeing actions that you're taking don't, don't line up with who you say you want to be. Mm. that you know that unconsciously there are thoughts and ideas that you still hold within the body of your creative mechanism that is acting in contrary to what you say you want to be. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's a great that's a great concept, Ron. I often think of the the concept of non judgment, mm-hmm. and I'll say to myself, "Well, I don't agree with that, but I'm not saying anything. Therefore, I'm non judgmental." And then I check myself at the door and say, mm, "But you just <laughs> judged it in your head." So whether or not you you say it is irrelevant. You've already judged it in your head. And how often have we heard that silence is compliance with the thought? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And as we say, we need need action, but sometimes inaction as we can see from a lot of people, is harmful as some of the actions we take. That's right. That's where I, that's where I think the, the inaction was an unwise choice to make. Yes. And is probably one of the principles that's been distorted. Yes. Well, inaction and, is still an action in my mind. 
So inaction is the action of not taking action. Right. You've, you've actively decided that. Correct. And that's where, it, as I said, uh, the, the simple example is going back to the free speech. If you see, hear someone spouting hate and kill this person or harm this person or do whatever to this person, and you look at that and go, ooh, no, that's not, that's not what I am. Stand up and speak. Yes. Because if you it's, don't, it's, can you imagine if a hundred million people, when someone said something like that, all did a little quick email to say no? Mm-hmm. What impact that would have on every single time it happened? It would stop yeah. it in its tracks. For sure. Think about schoolyard bullying. Five seconds out of your day. So the, the proper action would be not to destroy what you see as, an, uh, as, as something that's evil or whatever, right. yeah. but to stand up and say, yes, I will allow that, but no, I do not endorse it. Right. And it's amazing how much power voice has when you get that many people saying something. For okay, sure. So, so this, is, this, is, this is good thinking up until the point where the cell doesn't become cancerous and try to kill you out. Well, no, even and then. You have, to, you have to do something more than simply saying, simply words at this point will not stop the cancer from growing. No, that's true. But the interesting thing is a lot of people go silent because they can't come up with a solution. My answer to that, because I get a lot of people who say to me, well, if you're so good in all this and everything else, what's your solution? Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I don't have to come up with a solution. But what I have to do is say to people, Collectively, we can come up with a solution. Exactly. Just because I can't doesn't mean those other hundred people can't. And what I'm saying is let's put our minds together and come up with a solution. Exactly. And then you're you're truly behaving as one. And in fact, fact, your request would be for those who are opposing, I will need your help the most in order to come up with a solution because you can clearly see the problem firsthand. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. But so many people abdicate because they can't find a solution or they're given something and it isn't a good solution to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. But they say, well, I can't think of anything else, so uh, it, let's continue. We don't, <laughs> lean, we don't, we don't capitalize on the, the cumulative togetherness. We don't right. capitalize on the wisdom of many the intuition of many, the common sense of many. It's all of those things coming together that will help us find those kinds of solutions, right? But we've been taught as a society that especially when we look at our hierarchy, whether it be in business or whatever, we'll look towards the the boss or the supervisor. They're the boss. They should have the answers when in fact the answers are within all of us. And how many times have we actually not trusted, let's say there's a group of, of, of people who are out there trying to do us harm, and then some of the people within that group begin to see the light and begin to work against the group. How often do we go to that group who's beginning to see the light and elicit their assistance mm-hmm. in attempting to control the group that's doing the harm? Yeah. We well, sure. Usually don't we? We usually don't do that. We will usually say, "Let's just bomb them all. Let's annihilate the whole thing, and therefore we'll get rid of the problem." But it's like uh, radiation treatment for cancer, where it begins to kill a lot of the healthy cells, and even and, and eventually that in it, in and of itself can actually be very detrimental to the whole. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it goes back to the concept that I, I'm not sure whether it was you, Ron, or Martin that mentioned our thought process about black and white and to take it a little bit further 
right and wrong unequivocally. We tend not to explore the gray matter. And from my perspective, I think our, our part of our journey is has some gray matter to it because we're still trying to remember and evolve and capitalize on our wisdom and experiences to take us to that next level. Yes. And for those who have been extended and are acting on their, their development of the grace of God, they have, there's almost a sense that they're extending it to that gray area or those mm-hmm. within that gray area who are beginning to heal. And thou, now you're giving them the opportunity of that grace period mm-hmm. in order for them to come to completion with their healing. Yeah. And that's one of the other keys to mastery that I think fits in there is patience. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Everyone wants instant fixes and instant, so bomb them, that'll solve it, good, turn away. You need to, as I said and we said, become aware, work out the problems together, come to the best solution that stops it from going forward. But that's not going to take a week. No. Mm-hmm. That'll take longer. In many ways, patience comes into it because you have to be cognizant of how long a good solution to move people in the right direction and to stop these other other people if if they won't be stopped, if they won't stop doing what they're doing. You need patience. But so many people want, again, we see it in all facets of life, instant gratification. Exactly. And that's why, as I said, the politicians had to react by bombing because those who didn't go that route have been soundly criticized everywhere. Mm. And I'm going, yeah, well, unfortunately, they may be the wiser ones, but the rest are doing it for political salvation Mm -hmm. so they don't get voted out. And the challenge is, is that in our society, as you said, Martin, instant gratification, we are a culture of instant gratification between our technical devices. The, the phraseology that you hear is more conceptual thinking. And as a society, when you think about just day-to-day living, everyone wants to, you know, we've got instantaneous devices. You know, even in your business, if you get an email, how many times have you received an email simultaneous with your phone ringing saying, did you get my email? What do you think? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's like I haven't even opened it up yet, but okay. But that's our thought process and we need to move back from that. And I think that's a key, Martin, when you're talking about patience. What does that look like? It takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, I think the other example you've often given um, is a small child and, you know, tying their shoe or riding a bike. It doesn't happen instantaneous. No. And that's patience in many ways, impatience, if you put it the other way, it causes a lot of problems because people then just react and do what seems to be expedient at the time without sitting back, thinking about it, working with other people and becoming aware of what the wise answer is and actually dealing with it. And they actually just exasperate the situation. Absolutely. In, in, in one sense, impatience is the belief that those you want to help can't help themselves, and that's an illusion. Right. Mm-hmm. Or even the idea that you're impatient because you have the solution and obviously no one else does. That's a, that's a, that's a superiority situation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. brings on lack of patience. And these are all beliefs in the illusions that eventually I think we, we might want to cover in one of our programs, the illusions <laughs> that life presents to us and how we correct and come through the illusions, see them for what they are, and create a, a different kind of reality, which is what becoming your sovereign self will all eventually be uh, led to. We'll yes. be creating a, a whole new world without the basis and belief on these illusions. Exactly, because much of that is fed by our ego, and I don't mean that yes. in a good way. 
yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. And patience, as I said, is 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 always been an indication that you think you know better, and you will want to instigate the the solution. But then, the people who need to change their ways, they don't have an opportunity to change because you've just created the solution for them. So there's also the issue of of martyrdom that that comes into play here, dealing with their fears. We may not understand what should, what is driving a lot of people to do what they do, and I don't just mean ISIS, but anyone. And if you don't deal with people's fears and just go in and say, oh, we'll do this, you may not be aware and conscious that what you're doing will either put them out of a livelihood, harm them, or do other things. It's a great solution for you because it doesn't touch you. But how many millions are you touching by your solution? And causing even bigger problems. Yeah, you're, it's the, it's you're wanting to perpetuate the, the the belief in ignorance that these people, they at at this point they don't know what the solution is themselves. No. But when you go and present and and do the solution before they have a chance to create it for themselves, they haven't learned, and the situation will continue to fester. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And if we reflect on a lot of these these keys to mastery with respect to our own self, I often think of patience. And I believe last week we were talking about self-love. It's cautioning yourself to say, it's okay that I don't have the solution right now. Yes. I love myself enough to know that I'm doing the best that I can in this moment and I'm continuing to try to achieve. But it's also not just having patience with others, but having patience with yourself. All this stuff as a form of instant Mm self-forgiveness. Yes. The other piece that we're going to bring in, but we haven't brought in a lot, is the key to mastery that has to do with wisdom and intuition. Now, I don't know what other people's take on wisdom is. Wisdom takes knowledge. And I'm putting aside intuition for the moment. You can't have wisdom unless you have knowledge and understanding of whatever you're looking at. And I know you've said it many times before, Ron, and you're a a great one for digging in and getting more knowledge. I believe that over time, it's the key to gaining wisdom Mm -hmm. at a base level is knowledge. And yet, there are so many things in our society that people seem to want to prevent people from gaining knowledge mm-hmm. and and a lot of that goes to lack of transparency but a lot of it also goes to our education system is not moving people into being critical thinkers and actually gaining wisdom through knowledge mm-hmm. and allowing them to have their own individual experiences now mark with regards to this knowledge that you're talking about and equating it with wisdom the one thing that I would also add to that would be that it has to be applied knowledge. Knowledge is one thing. Theory is one thing. But what brings the comfort and the, the, the solid wisdom would be the results of applied knowledge. When you take that knowledge and you do something and you get results, yes. that, is the, that is where the wisdom comes. Well, yeah, otherwise the Library of Congress would have solved all our problems by just sitting there. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. So this, well, I think, it's, I, think is, it's, I think it's twofold when you think about our education. There is, you know, textbook knowledge and then there's yes. experience knowledge. Exactly. And you need to blend the two in whatever capacity you can That's to get right. that greater knowledge. But ultimately, wisdom comes from applied knowledge. Absolutely. It has to be applied. You have to see the results in what it's going to do in the 3D reality field right. in order for, for you to know what's going to be effective in the 3D reality field. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
think a good tie into that is what Martin, you were saying that wisdom tied very closely to intuition, not avoiding your intuition or turning it off or saying, oh, that's just, that's just silliness. Mm. It's really tuning into it as part of that wisdom journey. And here I have an interesting take on intuition, and it, it basically does come from the freedom teachings in that the intuitive mind was developed about 11,000 years ago in the human race when Atlantis actually sank, and there were certain elements within the human DNA that had to be pulled as well as from the planet in order to avoid a certain destruction. In that mutation, we were actually cut off from, from much of our higher self. This is where the split between the higher self and the ego was developed. And there was this chasm that was created because of these mutations. Now, the soul in observing this developed the antidote to that, and that is where the soul developed the concept of the intuition. Intuition is that bridge that spans that chasm between our 3D mind, our 3D self, and our higher, our higher minds mm-hmm. and our higher wisdoms and allows that higher wisdom to come in in whatever shape that person can actually uh, bring it in through. But that's, where, that's what intuition is, is the ability to pull in your higher self and the wisdoms from your higher self. So intuition is an incredible, an incredible tool when it comes to adding to your bulk of knowledge that is far beyond what our scientists and what our 3D world has developed with regards to knowledge. We have a huge amount of higher sense knowledge that is now available to us through our intuitive faculty, and that brings in a broader base in order to deepen and expand your wisdoms yes mm-hmm. and and i always look there's the other piece about intuition is I mean, when you go out and read all these conflicting uh, solutions knowledge pieces they're out there and believe me if you go on the internet you'll find conflicting answers everywhere <laughs> it's it's using your intuition and your knowledge and bringing it all together with your experiences and looking at it and saying yeah that just doesn't sound right and discerning it for yourself. Now, you may not always be 100% right, but it will lead you down the path to understanding and wisdom far quicker and better than just trying to figure it out on a pure mind basis. Mm-hmm. Any eureka moment that anybody in the world has ever had mm. has been at the hands of their intuitive facilities. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know this digresses, but I always find it interesting that most of the world's inventions and breakthroughs like the modern light bulb. Mm-hmm. There was like four, three, four people who at the time, within a year, a year and a half of each other, didn't even know each other, came up with the same solution. And the same applies to the, you know, it's a little known, but the Wright brothers having their first flight. There was two people in Quebec, Canada that uh, a month before had done a very similar thing. It is interesting the way it all sort of coincides and comes together but the aha moments seem to affect more than one person at the same time it's very interesting mm-hmm. which it would indicate again the principle that we are all one right 
is also can also be extended to the mental field of the human race as being all one. Yes. There truly is no barrier. And we see examples of that, as you said, Martin, where one person will think of of an invention and on the other side of the world, someone else is thinking of the same thing. Yes. Well, Martin, there was a story that you shared with us some time ago, I believe, with respect to, I think it was a bird. Oh, yes. Feeding. Yes. Maybe you could share that with our our listeners again for those who haven't heard it. I don't know the name of the bird, but it was in. Uh, it's a bird that's found in Europe, including the UK and, and the British Isles. That bird watchers noticed that uh, when the milk was delivered to the front door, one of the birds began pecking away at the cover on it and getting the cream because they found it was very. They, they loved it and it was very good for them. So they'd peck away at the top of the milk bottle and get the cream underneath. Now these birds never migrated more than a mile or two away from where they nested. And yet, within months, all of these birds were noted across Europe as doing the same thing, which they'd never done before, which was peck away at a milk bottle and get the cream. <laughs> so how do you explain, and the only way is through the oneness principle and we're, we're all one, how can one bird do it in one area and all of a sudden find a big advantage to it and they don't migrate anywhere and all of a sudden across hundreds and hundreds of miles, thousands of miles, all the similar birds across in a few months are all doing the same thing. Exactly. That's and have never been noted before. And I think that's a fascinating story, which is why I asked you to share it, because I know since then I've heard a number of similar stories with our wildlife animals yeah. of the exact same thing. And we talk about them, we talk about our inventors, so there, there is no coincidence here. We are definitely no. all interconnected. And the first time I heard that was with the story of the 100 monkeys. Yes. Yes. Who yes. had, and, the, and, and thus it was labeled the 100 monkey principle. And this is what is also being applied to those who are of the light, those who are working towards the ascension of the human race, that if enough people, and I believe someone had once stated, and I think it's also in the, the Voyager series, that if 8% of the human race would be, would exemplify the sovereign self that the rest of the human race could possibly, that it would flip. It would be enough to pull everybody else in. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot. No, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't mean everyone. It, and like that bird, it only took one and then it spread. That's Which right. goes back to what we've been talking about, about speaking up, mm-hmm. taking action. You don't have to solve everything on your own, but by speaking up, others will join in. Yes, it's okay to say I don't have the answer, but I'm still working towards it. Exactly, yeah. No, exactly. That's been proven more and more. There's now been hundreds of experiments showing that. I'll relay one more, if I may. I think it was in London. It was the London Times crossword. They had a few hundred students, I believe, that went into an auditorium. And before anyone had seen the crossword, the London Times gave it to this group of people, students. Uh, So they tried to fill it out as best they could within an hour. And then on the outside of the auditorium, they had 300 people waiting, another 300 people. And as all those people exited the other side and the door shut, the other people from the other side went in and did the same crossword. They didn't just have a 1% or 2% improvement. They had like a 20% improvement. And the only explanation from doing this that they could come up with is the people who did the crossword first through their energy and thought patterns were sharing their answers automatically through the energy field with the other 300 Mm -hmm. students. And as a result, they did something like 20% better. 
and yet they were random completely groups. So there's no way one could do 20% better than the other without some influence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just another example of how we're all connected, how we're all one, and how moving to an idea that works for you from an energetic and love and heart-centered point of view will automatically spread and other people will begin to pick it up and it'll work for them. Yes. So, as we say, never misunderstand or uh, underestimate the power of moving to your sovereign self and coming from a state of grace. It will automatically be picked up. Absolutely. And I think I shared um, several shows ago that I did that experiment this past summer going into the grocery store. And it was the thought process of if you smile and interact with people, how will that ripple effect flow through? And if you recall, I t- talked about going into a small you know, local grocery store and proceeding to smile and make eye contact and slightly talk up each person I came across. And while they all responded favorably, the unique thing or the thing that I, I really took fascination with was watching other people in the store that I was not interacting with now interacting with others. Again, showing that, that positive influence of that ripple effect. Yes. It works every time, and it means coming from your heart, and it will spread to everyone around you. And again, not to be underestimated. It is amazing how that can work. Now, I, I do want to say that with this 100-monkey principle and the aim to try to move the bulk of humanity towards the ascension process, there will still be holdouts. There, oh, yeah. were, there oh, will yeah. still be many people who will not make the shift. And in fact, there was a, I read recently that uh, one member of the Illuminati who has now come over to the light and is working towards the betterment of humanity, humankind, his initial reaction to being given love was sheer, absolute terror. He ran like you wouldn't believe from it. It was the most uncomfortable thing he said, and the terror in him was was just unbearable, un- completely unbearable. So there will be people who will not have the courage to be able to withstand that, that level of fear. No. They will unfortunately die off with the changing times. And with regards to that, there's a thought within your, your system that says, oh, poor them. It's not poor them. They have made that choice. They are still within the body of God, of Creator, and will be given another opportunity to make a different choice somewhere else. And that's really, in many ways, what reincarnation is about. The interesting thing I always say, and I love reincarnation, and I know we've all gone through, at least to my belief, multiple hundreds of lives. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I always come back to the statement, well, you might have gone through hundreds of lives and you're learning a bit at a time, but wouldn't you want to do it a little quicker and do all you can in this lifetime to just make up for five other lives? In the way? <laughs> so the question always comes is, yes, you can wait and, and be reincarnated and try things again. I always say, well, why bother? Why not just do it now? <laughs> which, is, which is part of trying to be your best self. Sovereign self. best version of yourself. Sovereign yeah. self. Absolutely. And, that, and nothing is, as far as I can see, nothing is ever incorrect as well. The degree to which to which they withstand moving right. into love may be an absolute necessity for that soul to understand what it would actually take in order to, to turn back towards and face creator. Right. Mm-hmm. As a continued facing. So you can't, there, there is, you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. Nor should you force them to. No. Right. Well, and the other piece there too is given the dichotomy nature 
you can't understand hot without cold, as they say, and you can't understand light without dark yes. fully. Those experiences and coming from a state of non-love will probably, in the end, I always believe in many ways, make them a stronger understanding of love in the end because they've gone to such an extreme the under yes. other way. There is nothing within the body of God in a free will universe that is inappropriate, given the fact that it is a free will universe. So you can't say, oh, I wish we would not have gone down that route, because not going down that route, you would never know what the results were if you had not taken that route. And appreciate and, the opposite. Exactly. And so all of these facets lend itself to actually being of that state of grace. So what I'm getting at is everything is perfect. Whatever you see is being outpictured here. It is perfect in every which way, that, that it's, it's all part of the whole and is perfect and is not to be judged. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. It is. I guess, and it's said many times, but you wouldn't be who you are unless you went through those traumatic experiences and loving experiences. Yes. If you think about taking away any part of yourself from the past that was, was traumatic, would you be the same person? No. Would you be a better person? No. You wouldn't be who you are. And if right. you weren't, and if you're not who you are, it's just impossible to understand going there. In my it, it, just, it, al a, it also speaks, Martin, to the fact that it is your wisdom. Mm -hmm. By having gone there, you now have the wisdom to know if it works or if it does not work. Yeah. And then if someone asks you, your wisdom will then be from an applied sense. Yes. Oh, and I have a perfect story on that one. Oh, darn. I can't remember his name, but uh, one of the famous masters out there that does a lot of work had a sister was the black sheep of the family so to speak as he said she got into gangs and drugs and stealing things and you know eventually had you know charges and little jail sentences and then ended up in a five-year jail sentence i understand and it was during that time in the five-year jail sentence that they looked at themselves and said i don't want to do this anymore I understand where it came from, and I understand it now. They actually went out to become one of the best leaders in a lot of communities and setting up infrastructures to help people overcome going there because she understood it so well. And she said she could never have done that unless she went through that route herself because exactly. now she understands how to help solve it for a lot of the people. That's applied wisdom. That's applied wisdom. And that's a perfect example. And yet yes. the family for that entire time was saying, oh, don't want anything to do with her black sheep. She's always in trouble. Stay away. And yet it was all of that that led her to become a community leader that helped thousands. <laughs> so so yeah. it's a perfect example of, of how we shouldn't judge someone because they could turn out through the applied wisdom, as you say, to help correct the problem. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. no one understands it better. Exactly, which is why I earlier had said, with regards to the problem of the Illuminati, as they begin to recognize, as members within their group begin to recognize that uh, what they're doing is insane, and they're choosing to come towards the light, mm. then to use them to actually elicit their assistance, because they themselves know exactly what it is that the dark is attempting to do. And where so, they come from, yeah. And where they're coming from. So you, rather than incarcerate them and just leave them rot in a hole somewhere, now I'm not saying to give them, you know, we have to be wise 
in our assessment of what kind of freedoms we give them, they have to demonstrate certain principles before we give total freedom. Exactly. Because we don't want to see them fall into old habits and begin their destructive pattern all over again. Right. So you have to be wise with regards to that, but begin to elicit, begin to nurture their way back to the light by extending that grace that we ourselves have been given by the grace of God. Yes, Mm -hmm. for sure. When you think about it, that's what wisdom and intuition in its truth leads you to. Not just a knee-jerk reaction and throw them in jail to rot. Wisdom and intuition would lead you to Okay, what can we learn from them? What can they help us with so we understand and we can overcome the issues? You know, there's a wonderful uh, documentary out there with regards to that kind of attitude in the prison system. Uh, It's called the Dharma Brothers, where they introduced a form of meditation to certain incarcerated members who who are in for life sentences. And and it's amazing what this... uh, what this program ended up doing for these people and how it changed their lives and how it bettered the entire community within the prison itself. Mm -hmm. So this is where I'm saying, you know, when you throw somebody in prison for something, most often than not, when they serve their, their, their term and they go back on the street, have they learned anything? No, because there was never the environment there that extended the grace to them where they were assisted in making better choices while they were incarcerated. Right. And I just love that program. So folks, if you ever get a chance to see the Dharma Brothers, it's a wonderful, wonderful program. Yes, indeed. And on that note, once again, we're down to our last minute. So I just want to thank everyone for, again, tuning in to Sovereign Self. We do appreciate very much you doing so. And we hope our conversations have been thought-provoking, bring some awareness, and on occasion bring some enlightenment. It brings it to us as we talk through it, so I hope it brings it to you as well. And don't forget to go on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Sovereign Self, because we'd love to hear all of your comments and questions. And I do hope you all have a absolutely fabulous week. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Have a terrific week. Enjoy yourselves and be kind. Indeed. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash Sovereign Self. See you next week.